episode 80. Mm. Uh, Mr. Matt. I can count. You can. Clever man. So, um, diplomacy games. Yeah, this is like what, five, ten minutes since we were at the other place, but two weeks for you guys. Currently, your longest running podcast of diplomacy on the net. Yes, because everyone has stopped. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Crazy bastards that do it long enough. I have to say, the big draw cards are the alcohol. (laughs) You wouldn't get together if it wasn't for the grog. Oh, yeah, it was like, oh, do we need to catch up in two more weeks to do another podcast? I'm like, well, you know, you're twisting my rubber arm for for another drink, of course. Yeah, I think I started giving you an idea of um, what in, in December some venues to go to and it's like oh yeah sure cool that's good sounds good to me <laughs> go, go to a brewery go to another brewery yeah okay cool <laughs> done sort of yeah so you know you, our listeners might be confused we're actually a diplomacy podcast not a drinking podcast but no. um, I am drinking a Kenny Porter how um, is it well it's a porter yes um, I think it's a take on that Kenny Rogers singer yeah yeah. Um, Why is it attack on Kenny Rogers? Kenny Porter. Like the, the image of a, some guy sort of screaming into a microphone. Like, I don't think Kenny box. Rogers ever screamed into a microphone. Okay. Well, is there a Kenny Porter, actually? Is there a Kenny Porter? I don't know. Rock God Kenny Porter that I don't know of? Maybe. Um, look, it's yeah, it's a little bit on the bitter side. Too bitter? Um, you like your actually, oatmeal stouts? Like, when I... Oh, I don't know. After a porter, I like a little bit more head to it, a bit more body, a bit more carbonated. A bit more head or a bit more body? It's like two different parts. Well, carbonated, yeah, it just feels like it's not quite carbonated enough, which would create a good head, which makes a nice body. So what is it? It's like a, so it's, you know, you're Italy and you've picked up tuna, so you kind of half expected, but nothing else happened, or is it not even that good? Because you can't fuck up tunas. Well, you can, I suppose. Well, you can. <laughs> Just um, side the cap of grease. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's like one of those openings where you kind of undecided as to whether or not it was a good opening or not. Yeah. How's your wine? It's quite nice, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I might change my drink a bit later. Okay. Yeah. Um, look, hey, so listeners of our last podcast episode, um, which was two weeks ago for you yep. listeners, um, will know that we actually have another person that we're interviewing. Yes, well, we've actually kind of got a bit of a mix-up thing, haven't we? Because first up... We've kind of got two yeah. little two segments. So um, yep. Brotherboard had a question from one of his um, followers, accolades, yep. friends, I don't know, uh, around variants. And he kind of thought, oh, you guys talk about variants a fair amount. Maybe you can answer this one. And prior to that, we were talking to Legendary Tactics. Yeah. So, what are we going to do? A uh, what we'll do? Who, which we're we going to do first? Well, how about we um, we go to Legendary Tactics first? Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Come back, talk about that, and then go to Brother Boy. Yep. So, um, yeah, this is all becoming very Media Wars thing. But um, Legendary Tactics, as you guys would know, was uh, in the Media Wars game and is a another prolific diplomacy content creator so um, talk all things diplomacy plus more plus more here we go legendary tactics thank you for joining us on the show again 
Oh, no problem at all. It's a pleasure to be here. It, it seems like only minutes ago that we talked, uh, but it'll be two weeks until uh, people listen to this now, uh, when you obviously we talked around the Media Wars game and had you on there with uh, Brotherboard and also with Captain Meme. Um, so... That was fun, and now I suppose we're quite interested just to learn a little bit more about you, about yourself and, and your own uh, personal perspectives when it comes to content creation in the diplomacy scene. But maybe you could take us back a few steps around, you know, what originally got you into diplomacy? Ooh, okay. Uh, grade seven, I had a friend um, who actually has been a friend since about kindergarten, and he's also one of the fellows at Legendary Tactics. And he had this great idea of playing diplomacy essentially by mail, and every day we wrote out our orders and he would process them. Uh, so, and we, we had a history teacher. I think a, a lot of people seem to have started diplomacy this way with a history teacher who was just passionate about it and introduced them to the game. And uh, so that's going back into the 90s. So, it's been a little while, um, but we played that game. One friendship was indeed lost over that, but something in my mind um, went a different way. It wasn't my friendship that was lost, but uh, a couple of players, you know, one guy stabbed the other one brutally, lied to him, and and it's something that I think is an accepted part of the game, but in grade seven, you don't realize that. You think it's a real-life stab, So, um, but for me, I was intrigued by the possibility of a game that could uh, evoke such emotion, so that that's where it originally started and backstabber has been great over the years just uh you know getting online with with some friends and so i haven't played it as much recently as as some of the other creators in the media wars game i'm sure and um when when you when you came into the idea of creating your youtube channel um that was what originally a, a well, actually your channel is covers a whole range of different games is that right Absolutely. Yeah. We started in March and uh, we found ourselves brainlessly coming home from work and playing games. And it just felt like an incredible waste of time because we were just playing and not really doing anything with it. And so I, I proposed to uh, a couple of friends who we were gaming with uh, that we just start recording and um, just see where it takes us. And we decided we would just record games we love and uh, and see if there's any response out there. And uh, so you know, I, I, I decided diplomacy was something I wanted to cover and I did a few videos and I, I found myself really enjoying getting into the scholarship of diplomacy more. So I think that uh, combined with Humble approaching me to do this Media Wars game has spurred me to continue to, to produce diplomacy content. And the problem is you probably find this. I mean, you have what, about 80, 80 something podcasts going, but the, the more you do it, the more ideas. It's insane how many ideas you start getting once you get into diplomacy creation. So can I actually ask you what, what got you into it and what, what has committed you to staying with this game and this podcast for so long? Uh, what got us into the game or what got us into the podcast? Both. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'll answer, but Kana can also jump in with his perspectives, obviously. Um, yeah, so I first played at university. Um, I think I may have mentioned on the show a couple of times before, I didn't actually play on the, the diplomacy board the first time around. It was actually a, uh, a Machiavelli variant, which is like one okay. of the official variants put out by uh, Avalon Hill. And uh was amazed by it. Actually, it was during I was at university. It was like up against a whole heap of people who were involved in um, student politics, so people yes. who normally um, kind of out on the uh, when they're electioneering against each other, then they were kind of all coming together and playing this game, and it was it was 
very, very fun. Um, I think I, I got stabbed very early on and uh, quickly learnt <laughs> that that uh, I well, actually that's kind of become a bit of a, a you know, long-standing problem for me. <laughs> but um, yeah, so played that for a while, but uh, then got out of it later on with you know after I started working and kids and family and blah 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 blah, and got back into it. Oh, about about twelve years ago now, I think originally when Facebook had some type of crappy you know diplomacy type of um, area, and and then um, got into it when um, uh, with when just before VDIP, I think it was called OlliDip, when they started actually having um, games up there. Um, for the right. podcast, actually, first off, how about we just go to Kano talking about from his perspective about how he got into the game? Yeah, my father introduced myself and my brother to the game. Um, and I remember he organised um, a game um, with my cousins. Um, and that was my first sort of real exposure to the game. I just played it on and off um, through high school and then... Um, didn't touch it for a while and then came back to it on an email um, site, Diplomacy 2000. Um, when I was living overseas, I was just looking for something english language to um, get involved with and stay involved. And I remember the game Diplomacy and, um, yeah, jumped from Diplomacy 2000 to WebDip to OlliDip to VDip and I've just sort of been tinkering with it ever since. Seems like it's a really cross-generational kind of game where fathers and sons can play together. And for some reason, too, I find lawyers are really attracted to this game. I don't know if it's the backstabbery or what, but uh, it's a disproportionately I, 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 high yeah, number. Yeah, I think it's probably both the backstabbery. It's also the ability to kind of, you know, launch an appropriate argument, be able to kind of, you know, um, motivate people or manipulate people. So I think there's a very good crossover there. Um the question about the podcast and how that started, uh, Kana and I were, because we were well, not too far away from each other, I think we kind of worked that out on VDIP one day, had a bit of a chat, said, hey, but we just catch up in the pub. So we used to just catch up in the same pub all the time in, in Brisbane, just, just talking about the game. And I think one day I said to you, Kana, why don't we just, because cause we'd both also been listening to Diplomacy Cast and um, said, well, how about we just, put a tape recorder down, so to speak, and just record what we're talking about. And if anybody else out there is interested, then sure, they can listen too. And it just evolved over time. I think that's my take on it. What about you, Kana? Pretty much. Yeah, bang on. Um, I, knew you were, I knew you were Australian um, when I was living down in Tasmania. Um, and so there was a whole heap of communication over that period of time. Um, and then I ended up Long and the short of it, a few years later, living up in Brisbane, and that's how we decided to catch up. So, um, nice. Not in, not used to being interviewed on our own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you call content creators in. That's true. That's very true. Um, look, when it ca- you, you said before uh, with legendary taxi, you used the you used the, um, the the plural we. Um, and a number of guys, etc. Like that. How many? How many people are in the back end, so to speak, of of your um, YouTube channel? 
Yeah, we've got three of us going. So it's essentially our gaming group and uh, three people who are all committed. And we all have our own passions. So uh, the one fellow's into like Hex Encounter and uh, strategy games and um, the military games and Twilight Imperium, that sort of thing. The other fellow, uh, he's really in CAX. He's into um, Android Netrunner, um, asymmetrical games. Um, I mean, the coin series, uh, if you're familiar with that, is a fantastic series. Um, Our tastes are pretty eclectic, though. We've We've covered a few video games. Um, most people aren't interested in our video game play because, frankly, we suck at video games. Um, but our, I think what ties us together is our interest in strategy in games. So we like to take a game and and offer to people um, ways or strategies or approaches that will help them get better at the game. Because I think that's that's one of the main reasons people play games is just to uh, improve at it. And uh, early on, we you know we started. Uh, I, I come from a background as a film teacher and an English teacher. And so it's the perfect way to combine uh, writing with the visuals. So we decided early on, let's make high quality uh, videos with, um, we don't just want a static board where it just sits on the screen the whole time. We decided uh, we wanted high quality audio just to make sure that it, it you know, if people are going to listen to us, then we want to offer them that that high quality. And we want to avoid having the wall of board games behind us. We just didn't want those cliches or just unboxing videos where, where things we, we wanted to avoid. And uh, and then beyond that, we're we're trying to experiment and, you know, try different things and and see what people enjoy. So but frankly, at this point, we're, we're kind of making videos more for ourselves. And if other people love it then that's incredible but uh it's it's definitely a very uh self-motivated and self-designed approach at this point you said a few things there that that triggered about three questions in my mind but i'm gonna have to try to kind of temper them um do the other guys play diplomacy at all (laughs) they do you'll see in some of my videos that uh, i play with a more advanced group and a more intermediate group so they fall into the intermediate category um they it is funny through watching my videos uh nato potato has been picking up strategy and i mean he he listens to to all of all of my content too and uh and he's learning from it and he, i mean he came in and commented and there were a couple phases in that media wars game where he he pointed out he said by the way just so you know rush is really gathering around your back line like i think he's really getting ready for a stab there and i mean objectively looking at it it it, it looked like he was right so i think he's ready to uh probably become a stronger player they're they're not the kind of players who miss their moves and that sort of thing but uh um they're still sort of beginner intermediate level then i play with another group and those guys actually play very much at the same level as uh, captain meme and brother board where you cannot get away with anything in that game if you make one mistake then then you're done so so you're you're canadian is there much of a, a canadian diplomacy scene well, Tanya Gills uh, from Ontario as well. I think Vi is from uh, Vancouver. So there's at least three of us here. Uh, beyond that, uh, I, I have to confess I'm not that well connected in the, the diplomacy world, especially not the face-to-face diplomacy world. It, it seems like the, the hub of activity seems to be around, uh, um, was it uh, Minnesota? And um, where's the DBN from? Uh, Chicago? Yep. But... Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure in Canada. I have no sense of that. When when we kind of eventually get out of this crazy Corona world, and there's a lot more face to face games occurring, uh, tournaments and so forth. Do you do you see yourself making the trip over the border to give that a go? Well, let me tell you, one of my 
favorite gaming experiences was to go to Indianapolis for Gen Con. And uh, I would love to get back to something like that. And frankly, I find this community is um, not what I expected. Uh, everybody in the diplomacy world is much friendlier than the outside world gives them credit for. Um, I think we all laugh and joke that we're all backstabbers. But I mean, listen to that interview with uh, Brother Board and Captain Meme. And I mean, you and, and Captain talking about ruthlessly stabbing each other. And I think that's part of the allure of the game is that you can you can be like an evil, nasty person to someone in the game, but it's all accepted. It's part of the game. So. Uh, so, yeah, I think I would uh, go for something face-to-face. And, uh, again, it's something I've never done before. But then again, I've never been on a podcast before. And uh, I, I hadn't been on a DBN broadcast before. So it's uh, it's fun to try these these new approaches to diplomacy. Where, where do you find the time to be able to play these games, do the recordings, do the editing, <laughs> have a job, have a family? Wow, fantastic what's, what's, point. What's, what's <laughs> I have a wonderful <laughs> wife. <laughs> My wife is incredible. Um, so, yeah, I've got uh, three kids and, and a wife. And um, I guess the daily routine tends to have me finishing up um, sort of family responsibilities and, and all of that by around maybe 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night. So that means from 10 till about 1 a.m., um, that's when I turn to either playing, writing or editing. And uh yeah, it's, but I told you before I was sort of mindlessly playing games and it felt like wasted time. And now I just, I can't wait to get to that time because I've got an idea that's simmering or brewing and, and I just want to get that down on paper and, and get it, get it out to press. So, uh, but thankfully with three of us producing content, two of us are editors. So if I have a slow week, then, uh, the other fellows pick up the slack. So I would never be able to do this by myself. Having, having a team of three is ideal. Sure. Um, and with the YouTube channel, um, I mean, to anyone who's listening, who's planning to do something similar into the future, is there any particular, you know, software, uh, tech, things like that, that you'd recommend? Right. So, I mean, number one is you need a good microphone. So many creators are just using the microphone on their phone. And uh, I think that's your first step to to getting to the next echelon. Uh, I use a Blue Yeti. I know a lot of people use this mic. Um, uh, the Q2U is a good USB mic that the other two uh, legendary tacticians use. And it, I mean, it's plug and play. So uh, I would definitely recommend that. Software, I use Adobe Premiere Pro. It's great. The problem is now you need to do the cloud-based and it's subscription-based, so uh, there is a cost with that. Uh, WeVideo is what the other fellow uses, and it, it's a more user-friendly. So Premiere is when we need to do the advanced edits. That's where um, we want to do green screening or chroma keys, that sort of thing, or um, have multiple panes. So for our Netrunner videos, uh, I have about 12 different layers in in that file, and, and WeVideo won't handle that. WeVideo is great. It's a cloud-based program, so uh, all three of us can edit the same videos just through a web browser. And uh, that's actually what we use as our hub. So when someone has footage, we just upload it to WeVideo. And uh, it's just, it's your basic, lay down your audio, lay down your video. You can manipulate some of the basics, and it's got titles, and and it's uh, fairly standard. Other than that, that's that's about it. No, that's cool. Um, you said that you started your channel back in March. So was this a, a Corona creation type of, you know, opportunity? It was. Uh, as a teacher, I was working from home at that time. 
And so we had a chance and, and we also frankly thought that maybe there's other people out there who would like to see some content uh, created on. And I mean, frankly, YouTube is, is certainly saturated with gaming channels. There's no doubt about it, but it's almost like a sub community on YouTube that, hey, you've got a gaming channel. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, there, there's a lot of really cool content creators out there that we've met through this that that we otherwise wouldn't have but uh it's definitely and and we've actually found on youtube too i mean the views were through the roof for not not necessarily for our videos at the start because you don't get a lot of uh, coverage early on once you hit a thousand subscribers then you start to um youtube starts to promote your videos a little more actively uh because they're actually making money by advertising your videos so um but we our views were much easier to get during um the height of corona and then once school started in september here uh views tended to drop and i think a lot of content creators noticed that same effect happening so no worries um so with, with all these different games that you've kind of highlighted on, on the channel, uh, is there any that stand out to you as being something that a diplomacy player would likely be also interested in, like there's a good crossover? Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you asked. And in fact, I'm going to issue uh, a challenge to you, Ambi, and to all of the other uh, Media Wars players right now. If any of you would, would like to try the game of Thrones, uh, the board game, there's a digital edition out now. And I mean, it's the kind of game we could play in one sitting um, for, you know, about two or three hours. But uh, that game has so many similarities to Diplomacy. It's almost like um, Diplomacy skinned in a much nicer looking map. I mean, the first impression of the Diplomacy map is that it, it looks like a piece of garbage and uh and no offense to people who love diplomacy because i love this map and i think it's brilliant but uh, game of thrones is a, a dressed up version of that uh but you issue your orders you you issue your tokens and some some units are supporting other units some units are breaking support some units are moving um you're mustering units uh so it, it, and, and a lot of it can happen through negotiations because you need allies in order to progress on the board so that would be the the first one I would invite this group to play. So, so, I'm, so from that point of view, does do you need to kind of does everyone need to purchase the the software or how does it work? You're right. Yep. So on Steam, if everybody were to buy the game, then they could uh, we could connect that way. But uh, it's great. It's a lot of fun. There's a built-in tutorial and uh, yeah. It's a, it, I mean, I hadn't played the game up until about two weeks ago, but. Uh, the similarities are, I mean, unquestionable. They're, I'm sure Game of Thrones must have been designed with diplomacy in mind. Is that a Game of Thrones, the board game, second edition? That's the one, yes. Have yeah. you tried it? Um, I've looked at the rules of it. I've been, I haven't had a chance to play it with my, my um, game group yet. <laughs> but I, I, yeah. I do have the board, yep. I think it's a game that, like Diplomacy, um, it suffered from not having a digital version because um, it was hard for people to get seven people together or five people. Um, and now that there's the online option, I think the game is much more accessible because it's much easier to fill a table. How many players are there? I forget if that one's five or seven. Um, it may only be five. Have to look that up. Six. Oh, is it six? Okay. Three yeah. to six, yep. Uh, what about Twilight? Okay, so I also have another game that you've spoken about um, on your channel, uh, Twilight Imperium. Um, that's the two-player one. Um, I've sat down. I've tried to figure out the rules a number of times. I just keep on getting um, 
stuck. I don't understand the mechanics of that game. Um, yeah. Right, just just to clarify, so there's three games that I always intermittently use the names. There's Twilight Imperium, which is the oh, epic 13-hour game. Right, there's Twilight Struggle, which was the original uh, classic from GMT, and then there's the reimagined Imperial Struggle. Um, so you're talking about Twilight Struggle? Yeah, sorry, yep, Twilight Struggle. Yeah, oh my gosh, so I'm not the Twilight Struggle from guy from Legendary Tactics. Um, I find that game so incredibly stressful, where you play this two-hour game, and the decisions you make, the little minute decisions, um, will come back and, and get you later in the game. But uh, the other two uh, Legendary Tacticians, um, it's the one of, I would say actually for both of them, it's probably their favorite game. And uh, so they're, they're putting out card-by-card -card, uh, analyses of, uh, of each of the cards. So there's quite a bit of strategy involved in that one that I have never gotten my head around. So uh, I'd have to uh, invite uh, NATO Potato to chat about that one if you wanted to know more. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll follow it up. Uh, it's, it's been a game I've had sitting on my shelf for a couple of years now, and I, I bought it meaning to sit down and say, oh, it's a great it's a two-player game. It's something I can just um, play with my other half. And, um, <laughs> right, yes. You know, and I, I opened up the rules. I went, yeah, no, nah, there's no way I'm going to be able to no, you know, I, I have trouble understanding the rules vaguely, let alone trying to pass it to another person who's not um, familiar with it. So, yeah, yeah, it's not for the light of heart, that's for sure. But uh, maybe stick to wingspan if you're going going to play with the the better half. Wingspan, okay, I'll, I'll look it up. So, so Twilight Struggle—that's the Cold War one, is it? That's right. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a masterful game. I mean, the, the people who play it, I think, are every bit as dedicated to that game as diplomacy players are to this game. Hmm. Um, do, you, do you mean, do you obviously you get a bit of fair amount of crossover with all the different games on the channel? Has there been any videos that have really gone off that you were surprised that so many views happened? <laughs> Well, our most popular video is the Imperial Struggle How to Play, and it, it wasn't really a surprise because it was the follow-up to Twilight Struggle. And uh, I, I think one of the the secrets with YouTube, I, we, we have a gaming channel. He's got about 40,000 subscribers, Mitt Gaming, and uh, he's been like our big brother. He offers us great suggestions, and he says that um, the secrets on YouTube, um, one is to produce something that people, um, like that will teach them something, something very specific, so learn this skill or, you know, learn that strategy. Um, and I think he also uh, believes that timeliness is more important than anything else. And with that game, we actually, we had our video out before the board game had arrived at people's homes uh, because there's a vassal module uh, which GMT releases and, and they sanction that. So um, we actually had the how to play ready to go. So it wasn't entirely a surprise. Um, the one that surprised us the most, I mean, we post a lot of different videos, but uh, Root has really taken off. Um, people seem really um, enamored with that. It's an, an asymmetrical game. Um, and it, it it masquerades as a family game with these cute little rabbits and bunnies um, in this woodland clearing. But because it's asymmetrical, there's a lot of um, strategy for each of the different factions involved. So it's a deceptively simple game, but it, it would be the one that was most surprising. Fantastic. Did, actually, can I, can I bounce another question back at you and, and ask both of you what other games you play that are your favorites? Oh, yeah, well, Amber, you go first. I'll just pull up my um, sort of my list. <laughs> um, diplomacy is pretty much what I play mostly, um, almost universally. 
Um, so I, I do occasionally play uh, Civilization VI uh, with with my um, with my son. Um, he's tried to get me into Crusader Kings Three, but um, oh, nice! Problem is, both of those games are, are very, very intense, and my clunker of a laptop has been um, <laughs> quite literally for but most recent times I've been playing it, kind of crashes after about two minutes, and we've just given up. So uh, it's pretty exclusively diplomacy at the moment. Yeah, that's fair. How about you, Kaner? Yeah, well, I'll just go through a list of the ones that sort of get pulled out on a more regular basis than others um, and just get revisited. Um, so without any particular preferential order, um, there's Dominion, the card game there. Um, nice. Scythe has been spoken about as being one that we want to get our heads around. Um, Machikoro, that's a card game as well. Power Grid. Love power um, grid. I love the auction in that. Yeah, that's a great mechanic. Hey, um, Tigris and Euphrates. Uh, nice. Magic Maze. Um, Pandemic's getting a lot of play at the moment, given the nature of it. Um, Still can't bring myself to play that during the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> I want to. I love it. It's yeah. it's such a good game. I just feel wrong playing it now. Yeah. Um, History of the World gets pulled out on a fairly regular basis. Um, Gravwell, um, a neat little um, sort of it's a racing game, but there's a um, interesting sort of like a gravity pull function in that to to really throw out what how you think a racing game would play. Um, Roadkill Rally. <laughs> oh yeah, pretty good things. <laughs> yeah. Um, Takanoko and Takaido also get played on a fairly regular basis. And I've just bought Bad Bones and Sheriff of Nottingham. We haven't had a chance to sit down and play those ones um, yet, oh, but I've heard good things about Bad Bones. Yeah, Sheriff's really fun too. You're smuggling it's, goods in and, yeah, it's, it's a game of bluffing. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple on my shelf which I reckon I'd, I'd love to play more but just haven't really had the opportunity given the nature of the gaming group. Um, Space Alert. Um, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, it's a great cooperative uh, game. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was get a good laugh at Space Alert at the end when everybody's bumbling around the spaceship and messing up their orders. It's quite comical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially given that's on a timer. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'd, I would like to pull out Zombie Side a little bit more. Um, that and Small World. I think there's a lot more to be had in those games. Um, then we've really exposed, exposed Arkham Horror, I think would be another one to really just sort of explore a bit more and maybe Shogun. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I used to play Shogun quite a bit, but man, Arkham Horror, that's the only game you've mentioned that I really don't like. I, I actually actively dislike that game. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Uh, one of our, one of our board game group loves the game um, and has yet to manage the rest of us to, you know, really, play it and get to know it so um, right yeah yeah i just yeah. find myself looking around while i'm playing it saying what am i doing and i have to keep doing this for two more hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but that's that's not an exhaustive list but that's a that's a list to sort of answer your question there yeah very eclectic taste 
So, so long story short, uh, if you're looking for a fourth content creator with a very <laughs> with great depth in gaming, you know, you know which of the yeah. two of us to speak to. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> but it, but if I'm looking for someone who's really friendly and won't be mad if I stab him, then I know who I'm coming to as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've been stabbed that many times. It's um, you know part and parcel of it. <laughs> but I no, I think I think I, I really love that idea of maybe sitting down and actually doing an online game of Thrones as a just as a dive. Like, yeah, that'd be fun. Well, if you guys are ever up for it, uh, I can I could host that. That'd be fun. Yeah, I, I'll have to look into it. Yes. I'll, I'll have to see if I can't twist Ambie's rubber arm to to make that happen. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I think the issue will be literally making sure that that I can actually run the game on the laptop without it crashing. That's all. <laughs> anyway, well, at least you would have an excuse then if you get put out early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I would, I would civil disorder quite literally, wouldn't I? <laughs> cool. Um, being mindful of the time. Um, is, is it all right if we probably wrap things up for you, Legendary Tactics? Absolutely, yeah. Cool. Well, th- thanks for the chat. Nice to catch up with you guys in person. It's funny because before our uh, interview with the, the Brother Board and Captain Me and I, I'd never actually talked to them live, which is funny to play a game with them for three months and never do that. Yes, it's the strange nature of this game, isn't it? <laughs> it really is, but... Love what you're doing on the show, so thank you. I hope you keep producing more podcasts. Likewise, thanks. See ya. Bye. Take take care. See ya. And we're back. Cheers. See you don't play another board games. It's just pretty much. There are other board games in the cupboard, but they don't kind of ever come out. Settlers of Catan, Carcassonne. I've played. Sony a couple of times. Yeah. Just doesn't rock your boat. Well, it's okay. I don't mind it. Yeah. It's not the same level as the diplomacy. There's so much meat to diplomacy. There's just so much depth to diplomacy. We're going to get together and play uh, Game of Thrones. Sounds like that's a potential on the table. Yes. Yeah. So we have to work out how that works and then work out how whether, whether it would technically be possible on my old fucking slow ass laptop yeah so I, my understanding is that the site that you play it on would be like a uh, like a cloud hosted no 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 but that doesn't matter like I, I use exactly the same cloud hosted thing for these other games that I play with my son and nine times out of ten after about ten minutes the whole system just grinds to a halt at my end and goes, I fucking give up. I haven't got enough memory to do all the shit that you keep asking me to do. Mm. Problems there. I know. Memory leaks, who knows? I had a look through Game of Thrones, um, the board game, and they've got, you know, there's there's, there's a card element and a supply sort of, um, yeah, there's just different elements to it. Um, But the idea around having to make alliances with other players is very diplomatic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's very true to the game. Not the game, the uh, the books and the TV show and stuff. Yeah, so I, I'm interested to see how that one plays out. Yeah. I suppose you've got an insight as to what my 
other part. Of yeah, look, I've got what's going on with you. Like, do, do you like have your own like separate games room, which is just full of board games everywhere? Because because when the legendary tactics asks you, oh, so what what other games do you play or have? And it's just like, okay, just. Well, I didn't even like get them five all, minutes like of you, you, you rattling off fifty million games, and you didn't do them all. I didn't do them all. Yeah, there was a couple of games in the car from you know last. You know, so I didn't get around to um, Ticket to Ride, um, Settlers of Catan. I'm so over Settlers of Catan myself, but you know that gets bored out every now and then. Um, Carcassonne, and then there's all the. Um, um, Your backgammons, your chess, your hex, your go games, your Othello. Battleship. No, I don't Game of life. No, but no, no, none of those ones, but your um, legacy games. Yeah. yeah. Played that Mahjong. Okay. Yeah. Those games. Yeah, cool. So anyway. Classic, classic games. Yes, uh, I, yeah. think, I think diplomacy is getting into that realm of classic. Yeah. Oh, well, it definitely is a classic game, isn't it? I mean, do you were saying? Oh, well, it's what, 70 years old. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know when a game becomes a legacy game. Sorry, so like 50, 50, 50 something. Like that. Yeah, I suppose something like that. Yeah. Almost 70 years old. Like when a game becomes a legacy game, I, I don't know. Um, you know like, like those games, like chess is a legacy game. Backgammon. You know, what point does a game sort of move from that game you have in your cupboard because it's part of a collection to a game that is a must-have if you are a collector of games that people play, right? Yep. So I, I would argue that Diplomacy is one of those games now, personally. I think it's a game that you need to have to make your game collection well-rounded as an option if you want to have that as a you know this is a selection of historical played games yep, yep. yeah that, that, that would be my argument cool it's got its place in the pantheon put it that way definitely definitely mm-hmm. up there totally so um yeah it was a good interview it was fun I I, I didn't know and it actually makes perfect sense now that Legendary Tactics is three people, not just one. Yeah, with all the content, yeah. With all the and, content um, and that diversity of content as well, and that there's certain specialisations. So, um, and look, honestly, like you know, we are often the ones asking the questions in the interview, and this was a fun twist. Yes, I wasn't expecting that. But what do we expect? Like people, media creators. So well, yeah, of course it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like you sit down with a journalist to do an interview and they ask you all the questions or a psychologist or somebody like that. But, you know, I mean, these things go both ways and, you know, they're, they're fun. You know, it's just fun. A lot of fun indeed. And, okay, so jumping on to Brother Board now, shall we? Yeah, so I think as we said just, um, um, just prior to the interview, um, Brother Board had some interest from one of his people sending a message in asking about variants and yeah. asking um, thoughts around that so so yeah we just stuck on the line and end up talking for another however long with Brother Board 
Yes, and it was really weird because he sat in the background whilst we did the interview with Legendary Tactics. And we got to the end of it, and then he started talking. It's like, oh, fuck, I forgot you were there. <laughs> so, onwards to Brotherboard. On to Brotherboard. Brotherboard. You want to you want to take us through um, what what you what happened? You've got a, a, an email that's come through on or, or, a, or a message that's come through the Brotherboard channel. Tell us more. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I invite uh, readers of the Brotherboard blog to submit any questions or ideas for topics that they have, and uh, I can't say that I necessarily address them all or that they get addressed timely, uh, but I do try. And uh, when I received this message, I was intrigued and I thought of you guys in your show. And uh, that's how I brought it to your attention. And I will read the message. It is from a fellow named Ryan. It says, I've seen you write about diplomacy a lot. And I mean a lot. But you haven't touched on variants all that often besides Gunboat, which any regular reader will know you love. What variants do you like? Which ones do you think capture the spirit, if that makes sense, of traditional diplomacy? And if you have any other clustered thoughts about variants, it'd be cool to see you write them. So, uh, dear Ryan, I have decided uh, maybe not to write about it, but to talk about it. And hopefully uh, I will direct you to this program when it's published and you'll learn something about diplomacy variants and our thoughts on it. Cool. Uh, Kana, would you like to start um, on this one? Which variant probably captures the spirit of the original um, classic game the best? Um, I, I, I personally lean towards classic chaos as a game, as, as a variant that can be played on the map that we're all familiar with, um, but it really encapsulates um the the, the whole uh, it's it, so basically it's taking the game and saying every supply center is a player and that player has one unit of their choice to start off with um and have at it so it's a 34 player game played on the original board i think that um that really captures the idea of that cutthroat um Need and have to the ability to communicate with your neighbours effectively, fast, um, almost frenetically throughout the game in order to succeed in that variant. What about you, Amby? What do you think? Um, well, it's, this is a tough one. So I'd, I'd say I'm, I'm actually kind of erring similarly to yourself in, in a classic board, but I'd actually be going more like the Fog of War variant. So for any players who are obviously used to normal diplomacy, the the difference here is that you can only physically see the board where your units are or your supply centres are and, and around its immediate vicinity. So this one kind of lends itself, though, I suppose it's, it is generally uh, all obviously online, uh, so you can't actually play this one face-to-face because it's a bit hard to kind of hide half the board. But the idea being that it introduces, if you've got all the normal elements of diplomacy there, but then you've got this additional element of 
you know, not knowing what's going on on the other side. So if you're France, you have no idea if, you know, Russia is eating up the, the east at the moment or it's been smashed up by England and Turkey and Austria. Um, so I think that's kind of got an interesting dimension. Um the other ones that kind of spring to my mind as well would be something like the uh, Europa Renovatio uh, variant, which is like a 34, 32-player variant, um, which is, again, the, the map of Europe, but it's set in the 1600s, and um, it's got a very interesting dynamic there. We've both got some, some larger players, but some medium-sized players. No one's really – well, there's a couple that are really, really small, but it's not too much. So I think that's probably a, a good example. Uh, and plus that also introduces the um, uh, the sea lanes concept, which is a great way of avoiding and breaking stalemate lines, uh, which obviously can be an issue. Well, depending which way you want to look at it, within a normal game of diplomacy can be an issue, uh, or it could be something that um, – <laughs> that you warmly embrace if it kind of helps you prevent, you know, someone else soloing. They're probably the ones that spring to mind the most when it comes to something that's more in the spirit of the game. Um, the other think, one about... Sorry? So I was, I was going to interject there. I'm, I'm thinking more along the lines, like if, it, if it's map changes, um, maybe a modern Europe um, would be closer to the spirit of the seven-player game and it'll give you it gives you that a larger sorry not a modern europe um yeah yeah modern um which is a it's a 10 player game um that that centers on a map of europe but it just adds a couple of extra players in there that and um the fall of the american empire i think set in the north american map um it doesn't expand on players that much there's 10 players but it's a different geography um but there's no real rule changes or special elements like the sea lanes or fog of war attached to it it's just a different map ancient mediterranean similar to that i think where you've only got like about four players but it's it's follows all the normal mechanics of of, of diplomacy so i think that's that's probably a good one as well mm. I could definitely recommend ones not to play um, if you want a well-balanced and good thought, well-thought-out um, variant brother board. Um, like things like FUBAR, I definitely wouldn't touch that with a barge pole. You <laughs> someone to, to a, um, a variant. Um, yeah, but no, no point sort of naming and shaming. I think people kind of get the idea. I, I guess... When I'm thinking, when I'm thinking variants, I, I can't go past the um, the Greek variant, um, which it, it's got a really interesting Greek diplomacy. It's a six-player, um, it's a six-player board um, based around the Greek city-states, um, and it's got a really interesting. It, it actually won the World Variant Design Contest in 2010. Um, and it, it, the reason it's an interesting variant is it relies on a um, it relies on a, a bidding system to start off with to decide your home centres. So every player starts with three coins essentially and a home supply centre that they're guaranteed. But then they can bid um, for ownership of any of the other non-claimed supply centres. Um, 
but the catch is every other player is also bidding. So um, if, uh, say, Athens and Sparta are both bidding for Argos, they put one coin onto Argos as a supply centre, um, not neither of them get that supply centre. But if Athens really wants Argos, he could put two coins on Argos, but he risks not getting the extra couple of home supply centres. So it puts a really interesting twist on the start of a game, but then that's the only real um, difference from this, the vanilla gunboat um, or vanilla diplomacy game is the start. I think that this question raises a, an interesting further question, which what does it mean uh, to refer to the spirit of diplomacy? It's an interesting uh ontological question about what you could take away or change from diplomacy and still call it the same thing. Uh, I think maybe I I give away that I'm very tactically minded uh, because the way that I, I think about this is, well, a diplomacy variant that captures the spirit of diplomacy should probably be uh, a map where the players are arranged into little triangles and uh, it's really easy to stalemate people and the rules are very simple. <laughs> and, and and so I think of variants like uh, Ancient Mediterranean or uh, World Diplomacy 9, which is one that I enjoy. I don't know that it's necessarily that popular uh, because the players are arranged in a way that they're roughly equally strong, but, they, but each power has un- unique differences. And... Uh, and it's fairly easy to set up a stalemate line. The variants that add like tactical stuff that doesn't exist in the normal game, like oh, in this variant we've got airplanes, or in this variant we've got underground tunnels, or uh, you know, in, in in this variant you can just build anywhere. Those are interesting, but I think that those, uh, for me personally, as as fun as they may be, they feel very very different, and how I think about the game is very different when some of those um, t- tactical rules are changed yeah it's really interesting i've been i've been tracking variant creation for quite some time now um and there's definitely trends in the the rule sets that's being dropped in as additional rules in the variant creation process um so things like the ability to transform your units if you own a supply center um, has risen in popularity and is now kind of dropping back down a bit. Um, chaos builds, or that build anywhere, if you own that supply centre, you can build there, um, is definitely very popular amongst variant creation uh, variant creators as a way of kind of shaping up, shaking up that um, that 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 potential for stalemating in on the board and can create quite dynamic situations. Um, Every game becomes almost a unique game given that players at the, you know, by the time they've got their second round of builds in, they're probably building in situations where there's a high likelihood that no other games of that particular variant has actually Caught seeing need for that build to occur, or that's or where other players happen to be on the board that's made that or caused that player to decide, yep, that's the build I want to make based on what the board as a whole happens to be at that particular point in time. What do you feel, Ambie? Have you seen changes in the um, in, in what people have been doing with the variants um, for changes in rule sets? 
yeah, look, I, th- I think there's definitely an appetite for that and that kind of uh, is both a, a hindrance, I suppose, in their development because they often require some coding work going on in the back end and at the moment that not a lot of that's going on due to various reasons. But but one that kind of springs to my mind, Kana, is one that you're involved in at the moment, which is David E. Cohen's Dawn and the Enlightenment, and um, the fact that you've obviously got um, you know different approaches there for how to actually manage uh, stalemate lines in the seas by not having sea lanes, but by having those um, uh, high seas zones, um, and the fact that the actual winning criteria for a solo is variable depending on you know, the size of your country when you start out so that if you're a player who's got, you know, 12 supply centres when you start and someone else starts the game with three supply centres, well, no surprises that, you know, the guy who's on three can actually still win the game if maybe if they only get up to, you know, 14. So uh, I think some of those rule changes are making an interesting uh, experience even more in um more intriguing, more challenging, more enlightening. I don't know what the right um, adjective is. But, um, no, I think it is occurring more often. Um, there's still standard, you know, follow the normal run-of-the-mill diplomacy uh, rules and just change the map. Um, that's been done, you know, hundreds of different times. Like on V-Diplomacy, as an example, there's like 100-plus variants that are there that players can pick up and, and start playing right away. Um, most of which are not rules-based. They're just a, um, you know, uh, sorry, they're not um, rules-based changes. They're only just map changes. And some of those maps are great, as, as you mentioned before, but some of them are, are crap as well. Um, I think we've, we've been involved in some of those variants over time. And, and like, for example, even my perspective in, in creating variants, um, there's some that I like the idea of but didn't really think through the gameplay, so it's not necessarily as balanced as it could be. So um, some games, for example, I know I know it's only like about a three-player game, but um, 100 um, and also I think Treaty of Verdun, both of which uh, um, follow all the normal standard rules of diplomacy, but you've got a incredibly balanced um um, game there in that board because all both of those boards, I think looking at the statistics, it's like a almost like a, a a third, a third, a third split when it comes to you know who's actually won the board. So that that always gives you an idea. At least it's been designed in a um, totally fair way. That's still aesthetically you know intriguing and interesting rather than something that's just um, you know um, what would you call it balanced in a visual thing like duo or something along those lines mm. I, I think yeah I, I one of the things that i really that attracts me as and it still does attract me to the game of diplomacy is the sort of the 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 historical narrative you know what is going on in spring 1901 yeah you know what what is the, the 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 ability to kind of look at history and then go, okay, what's the alternative narrative here? How can we change history through the course of playing this game of diplomacy? And I think um, the really successful variants, the ones that get picked up and played again and again, like the nineteen, uh, you know, um, known world nine hundred one or the um, eighteen ninety eight 
classic variation or um, the changes in playing in the Dark Ages or the Age of the Vikings or in you know various Civil War scenarios uh, or playing in India. You know, they, they, they take that idea and they base it in a historical um, moment in time and say, what if? What if you were the person in power at this point in time, how things could have been? I think, you know, if we're getting really deep into the spirit of the game, I think that that's a real fundamental um, draw card to diplomacy is, is, that, is, is that alternative counterfactual, the what-if question of what could have happened on the board. And, you know, that, that for me has always been a draw to the game. That's very interesting. If we if we examine the situation from that point of view, then the variants that try to reproduce uh, real historical scenarios have that weight going for them where, okay, hey, I understand what Persia is or I, I know what the Roman Empire is or something like that versus um, variants that are more uh, either, either fantastical in the sense that they are straight-up fantasy, uh, like we talked about Game of Thrones-type uh, <laughs> game earlier, or, um, or that are really ahistorical, like the fall of American empire, which, which posits a bunch of countries uh, that have never existed as, uh, as, as powers. Or uh, or in world Dip- diplomacy nine the one that I like where uh, y- yeah whatever it's just it is what it is we just here's a world map here's seventeen countries we made them up and uh, I, I I perceive the difference uh, that when the game when the variant has some structure that that's outside the game itself that you can relate to it can make the game seem more approachable. And on the extreme end, uh, really out there variants like Five Italy's uh, are are so unappealing to look at. In my opinion, it's hard to get anybody to agree to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one of the ones that um, has really kind of caught on in, in recent years, particularly amongst Americans, is Divided States, uh, which is created about two years ago, but set in twenty twenty, where everything falls apart. So very. Um, a lot of you know, hindsight. What's that? Not hindsight. What is it? <laughs> Edit this stuff out. It's oh, oh, prescient. <laughs> prescient. Yeah. But basically, you know, it works on the basis that every single American state is its own country. So you've got these states that can be fighting each other, and and uh, I think you find that there's a fair number of Americans will, you know, obviously take a fair pride in their own state and will select their own state so they can kind of go in and bash up their neighbours. So. Uh, that's always a bit of fun as well. And I, I don't mean to say like there aren't good games that aren't that are based, you know, that aren't based in in reality. You know, like I'm I'm thinking, a Haven, which is a fantasy nineteen player fantasy game. Um, you know, that's that's totally you know it's a it's a well your fantasy world. Um, you know, th- th- there's a whole heap of ones in there that are you know just fun you know, science fiction or fantasy kind of scenarios. Um, but at the same time, they're kind of believable. Um, and that, that they have their, you know, rises and falls. Um, you know, I, I didn't, I don't mean to say that, you know, a good variant has to be based in historical 
fact. I just wanted to clear that up. I think that also uh, it's when I think about designing variants, I think that the designer can sometimes be a little too hung up uh, with what is historically accurate and that uh, leads them to design a variant that might be unplayable because it's not balanced. And going back to the original game, there's all kinds of funny little things on the map that are not historically accurate. And I don't just mean that some of the places are misnamed, uh, but that like... uh, I don't believe Albania existed or had the borders that are depicted on the map in the year 1900, uh, or that I think that France was in control of North Africa at this time. And the map just goes, whatever, that's not, you know, that's not what we're doing here, though. That's not what this game, the British Empire doesn't exist. It's not treated as existing in the game. And uh, those all things are great. It makes for a fun and balanced game, even if it's only like approximately historically accurate. No, I totally agree. Um, sometimes there's that um, fine line between good balance in the board um, versus what is historically accurate and often a suspension of disbelief sometimes creeps in, like as you pointed out, to uh, ensure that everything at least is um, fair or fairish and still kind of um, maintains a spirit going back again to uh, the nature of where things were at at that particular point of time. Um, from your point of view, Brother Board, have you, what variants do you play or have you ever played that you thought were interesting and why? So it, I have played uh, the Fall of American Empire map a fair number of times, and that only has uh, only deviates significantly from the original rules other than being a different map and that it's got a bunch of rules for how uh, river fighting works, which is necessary for the um, because of the geography of the of the map. And I think that is a I think that's pretty interesting. It increases the number of players, and it's got a lot of the dynamics that I personally enjoy from the original map, such as uh, it's got uh, a Caribbean island power that uh, has to fight with fleets versus uh, some corner powers that don't necessarily have to fight all the in the beginning and you've got some powers that are in the middle that are easy for them it's easy for them to get attacked uh, but uh, they also have really interesting expansion and strategic opportunities. And I feel the same way about, um, as I, I guess I keep mentioning it, the World Diplomacy 9 map, where the powers are designed in a way that's reasonably fair, not as good as the classic map, uh, but they have unique aspects. For example, on that map, there's a South Africa country that also has a home center on another continent altogether, and it is the only power uh, on the whole map to have uh, home centers on two different continents. Oh, how interesting. And there's like Australia in there as an island, effectively an island power. It's the only one that, that has this attribute. How interesting. And I, I really enjoy the maps, the maps from the map, from the, from the map point of view, where uh, the powers have unique aspects. But the game is nevertheless pretty fair. That's where I find like the ancient Mediterranean map to be kind of boring. I mean, it's just like a, it's just a circle and uh, the powers don't have much 
differentiating them in terms of what they can do. And this reminds me of um, the, the trying to get the powers to be different reminds me of the original design and how, uh, hey, you know, Russia actually starts off with four and has two fleets to start, but uh, it isn't overpowered. Or England's got different, uh, England's an island country, and it's not overpowered. Austria starts off with uh, probably the worst port in the whole map. That's fine. Austria is not not too too weak, and the, oh, oh, Italy and Austria are are bordering each other. No other power quite has that. Yeah, you know, it's it's weird, but uh, you know they managed to to figure it out. And I like the maps that have something like that going on, where each getting assigned a power has some really significant impact on how you have to approach the game. And uh, this this is why I, I probably don't care too much for the build anywhere variants because you can overcome the constraints of the power that you've been assigned by capturing and giving up centers. Whereas uh, when you when you have home centers that are controlling where and how you can build, it, it forces you to play the game in a way that's different from how you would have played it if you were another power. And I think that's interesting. I, I, I personally really like that. I'm not saying that every person would, would care about this, uh, but I do. Excellent. That's great. Um, is there anything that you feel we haven't touched on with regards to your question at all? Nah, I think we have plumbed the depths of this question. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thank you, Brother Board, for the question. Um, and thank, well, more particularly, thank you to um, you know the, the actual person who wrote in to, to it. Who, who, what was the name of the person again? Uh, Ryan. Yes, thank you, Ryan, for writing in. Thank you, Ryan. Great question. Hopefully we haven't kind of ruined it for you. <laughs> I guess probably a good thing just to interject here um, the V diplomacy obviously um, is a place really to check out um, variants, it's a variant specific website but play diplomacy and web diplomacy both offer um, different variants on their sites as well although not such a larger range so if you're, if you're interested in you know having a go at variants and um you know check or checking out some ones that you, you might not have um been exposed to on um web dip check out play dip and v dip and vice versa um across the board so i, I think um and i think you actually said the um, you, you've, you've been using some of the android app ones as well such as duplicity which has got a fair number of variances and um conspiracy i think but i think mostly duplicity yeah, that's right. Both of them do have um, variants there as well. So definitely jump in and check them out if you're interested in um, sort of increasing your knowledge in there. I think experience really is probably the best sort of teacher when it comes to variants. You quickly figure out what you like and don't like. Thanks, Brother Board. Thank yeah, you, thanks Ryan. for having me on the show. We're back. We're back. Cheers. Cheers. I actually start. I actually sat on um, after that interview um, to have a chat with Brother Board around his costume. And I asked him separately, "Do you mind that um, what he told you is he comfortable with you sharing yeah. to our broader audience?" He said, "Sure, no problem." Sir. Yeah. Um, so the inspiration comes from. Um, so so we had the discussion around like superheroes, mm-hmm. right? And so the, the, the standard superhero in American culture will often have a mask, but they very rarely have helmets. Correct, yes. Yeah. And so he's been influenced by... Um, Except for maybe Ghost Rider, perhaps. 
Yeah, and oh, is he just Iron a, Man. Actually, no, Ghost yeah. Rider doesn't because he's just had a flaming head, hasn't he? Yeah. Iron Man may be being an exception. Yeah, so right? okay. Um, and it's, yeah, and so, but the Japanese caped heroes are often um, helmeted. helmeted, right? So he's taken inspiration from that as part of his, um, you know, entourage that he's, he's, he's wearing. I um, mean, throughout a whole heap of different, um, you know, Japanese references to anime and cultural heroes and stuff. Mm-hmm. That he's, uh, you know, making reference that to makes a lot of sense. space. Yeah. So I was, I was just really interested um, around where that came from. Um, he mentioned that he's got a Halloween party that he's going to shortly. You know, dressed our as time, Brother that Borg. he's going to go just as Brother Borg. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great, you know. Um, well, I, 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 I hopefully he'll put some photos out of him out and about yeah. in the streets. Well, I suggested to him, you know, he could really do a, um, he could do an episode around, I don't know if he will, but he could do an episode around trying to um, convince other people to play diplomacy. Trick or treat. You know, everyone's dressed up in their Halloween costumes. Um, but there's a... Or better yet, when the kids come to the door or whatever like that, and they say, trick or treat. He goes, oh, what's it? How's work? Trick or treat. And then... He provides them with a, a, trick, a treat. A treat. And the treat might be... Oh, a penis. <laughs> you know, oh, oh. <laughs> no, like, here's a game of diplomacy. They <laughs> yeah. go, ah, at your yeah. house. <laughs> yeah, or a, um, you know, a, a Munich-shaped cookie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we didn't go that far into the discussion, but, you know, I mean, that, that, I just, that's where my mind went, seeing, because he was... Saying his, Actually, that'd be interesting. What happens if you kind of made a diplomacy board made out of cookies? And when yeah. the kids came to the door, <laughs> you hand out the board and say, sure, pick one. Uh, here's Galicia. <laughs> you know. yeah. And you go, oh, that's a bad choice. <laughs> Why would you ever pick Syria? Because <laughs> it's big. <laughs> you should oh, have yeah. bloody got in earlier, kid. You would have taken Moscow. It's the biggest one. <laughs> He's doing right up there. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, there was, there was that discussion, and um, you know, I asked him about his eyes. His, his, his actual how he's got the setup with the the, the eyes and everything. Mm-hmm. So we're saying it's like a it was a thing he bought from Korea, um, a Kano Mai or Kano Me, or just talking from memory now. Um, but it's like pre-programmable eyes, so his helmet costumes are, it's like a bike helmet, a motorbike helmet. With yeah, I thought it looked like a motorbike helmet, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with these programmable eyes that he can do this. But the thing that really interested me, right, is that it's, he's found it really int- easy to do the editing of his um, YouTube videos. Because he's helmeted, he just does the motions mm. as, as the character, and then he comes back and dubs over it with his... Um, just speaking Audio, into yeah. a really high quality mic so you get that experience of actually thinking that he's speaking but for most of those recordings he's actually not speaking just miming and yeah. then dubbing the um, the recording over it so you know bravo for technology there brother boy Brilliant. and what about the actual the uniform yeah so there wasn't much to be said around that so just a uniform just a pa-rumpa pum pum yeah. drummer boy uniform yeah Anyway, so I was wondering if it was blue for a reason. Didn't ask. 
Yeah. Another brotherboard secret for another day. Secret for another day. We'll find out later. We'll, we'll get to the bottom of it. Probably a couple of dinner, a couple of podcasts later, but we'll get to it. I must admit, the way we're going at the moment, like I think we spend half of our time talking about brotherboard on these shows. So um, he's such a prolific creator. Yeah, well, yeah. There's many prolific creators between him and Legendary Tactics at the moment. Going off, absolutely going off. So, um, actually, what are we going to do now? We're going to talk about our. Going to play another game? We'll finish off the game we'll play. Well, or? yeah, listeners, probably a couple of episodes back. Um, well, we, we stopped a juggernaut halfway through, um, seeing how that went. Yep. So we thought we'd um, conclude that. Um, or should we start a new one? One of the because there was another combo. No, nah, let's, one off, yeah. let's keep it going. Yeah. Let's bring it home. Right. But was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? Given that. You know, what we're talking about now will be published, what, four weeks since. So. Yeah, I think it's all good. Probably the only thing I'd want to just ask because of the timing and everything is, um, and now this is way in the past when this gets released, but it was just last weekend. Did you um, did you play it all in um, the 10% of teapot? No, I missed it. I know, I know I said I wanted to. I know, I know, you know. Had it up on the calendar and everything. Um, so timing-wise, you're still yeah. going to do e-carnage? I'd like to. Yeah, I would like to. I'm definitely going to play on the boars. Put it that way. Yeah, definitely going to do the boars. Well, what happens if the boars game? Because you're playing on the top board, aren't you? The boars game? Yeah, well, I'll start off the boars game. As long as it's not like, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning or something stupid. Yeah, such as it is. If I have to call on the sick on Monday or whatever. Mm, nice. Yeah. Um, and face to face. Do you reckon, because we're, we're recording on the 20th of October, do you reckon in about a Month. So that mid to late November? Start December, we could be organising something at the start of December. I'll lay the groundwork for that. Yeah, I think the. um, Realistically, I think. First week of December, I'm away on holidays. Second week then. We're coming up to wrapping stuff up before Christmas. Oh, I think first week. I can't remember what I'm going on holidays. I'll get back to you. Yeah. Oh, and um, Vault Games has moved. Yeah, but we're going to Netherworld, weren't we? Yeah, but Vault Games is in a larger venue. Oh, where are they now? They've moved. I don't know exactly where, but they've moved. I know, I walked past them and they said, we've moved. Yeah, they've moved. Then I kept walking. Yeah, well, I've heard that it's a larger venue. Oh, there we go. Yeah, but they've moved too. So, I don't know, should we... Anyway, Bolt Games or... Neverworld or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, so, actually, you're still going on your beer. Do you want to get? Do you want to just move to a new beer because you don't like that one? I'll finish this off. You need a new one? Maybe. Yeah. What I might do, have if I get a wine, order some food, and then by the time you finish your beer, I'll be ready for another wine and you can have another beer. Sounds good. So, you want right. to press pause so I don't fuck yeah. it up? Got your wine, yeah. some food. You haven't fucked up the recorder like I always do. Fucked up the recorder like you managed to manage. Um, Actually, so I pulled up this uh, juggernaut game and looking at it from fresh eyes, I'm kind of struck just how um, you know how it it looks like I'm just coming at it fresh because it's been a while since I've looked at it. It 
looks just on the surface of it that England and France are working together. France is just about to attack Italy and definitely looks like Russia, you, Turkey, myself are doing a job in it. just looks like that. Yeah, even though like I'm in Bulgaria and Kong. Yeah, we're definitely power sharing that arrangement. But you'd kind of think um, that people would have worked that shit out by now. By now it's probably pretty straightforward. So um, for our listeners, we're picking up um, a board where Russia Ambi's on 10 units. He's got one build um, yet to be decided. Um, England's on seven units. France is on six units. Italy's on five. Germany's on one. And Turkey is on five supply centres myself with one build. Um, the and, and, of, and just as a reminder for listeners, the, the premise of Hans' whole thing was just to test the idea of look in a hypothetical metagaming situation. I.e., look if you were if two players were not so much metagaming but were committed to an alliance, theoretically we could stab each other any time. But we're just going to see how far we can, how far we can go. Yeah. Um, against bots so it doesn't matter that we're kind of cheating against bots yeah but just to kind of really test the idea about what two player alliances work well and i think so far our, our synopsis is prior to us taking the pause in um uh fall 905 was um the jug works but my recollection was it's a real grind it's recognized yeah Yep. Even though we kind of started doing some tricky shit that makes it look a little bit less like a proper jug and maybe we were stabbing each other, um, it's still a hard, hard slot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got to sign up as a Patreon to remember that one. Oh, to listen to that. Um, okay, so the spread of units. Um, if, you, if you want to find out what was the, the secret two-player alliance that worked like, you know, hot knife through butter. Lock work. You yeah. know, just two bucks a month. Happy days. Patreon.com slash diplomacy games. Alright. Um, so the spread of units. Uh, England has an army in Finland, a fleet in Sweden, a fleet in Norwegian Sea, a fleet in Kiel, a fleet in Holland, a fleet in London, and an army in Belgium. Germany has an army in Denmark. France has an army in Ruhr. Army in Munich, Army in Tyrolia, Army in Piedmont, and a fleet in Mid-Atlantic Ocean and a fleet in the Western Med. Italy has an army in Trieste, Army in Venice, fleet in Naples, fleet in Tunis, fleet in the Adriatic Sea. Turkey has an army in Serbia, Army in Greece, fleet in Ionian, fleet in Eastern Med. Russia has a fleet... Shouldn't you have a build? I've got a, I've got a build. Oh, you got We're on a build okay. phase. Um, Russia has a fleet in the Aegean, army in Budapest, army in Vienna, army Warsaw, army Prussia, army Berlin, army St. Petersburg, army Norway, fleet North Sea. I just wish as, as Russia at this point of time, this was a real game against real people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... So, I, for some reason, have building an army in Smyrna as my saved. Yeah, um, I've got... Is that something you were thinking Let's just talk about that, because I had a... We must have saved before... Sorry, saved but not readied up. I've yeah. got um, army in Moscow. So, let's right. just talk through 
what's our, what's our strategy at the moment? Because that will help us decide where we build and what we build. Um, right. Well, we've essentially got three fleets in the Eastern Mediterranean. So we've got the Eastern Mediterranean, and I only need to play with them. There's a, Albania is open. It looks like France is on its way to attacking Italy. So my thinking was that were we looking at maybe convoying Smyrna to Apulia or Albania for the whilst the GNC is supporting Ionia and see the whole I think I think we were looking at Smyrna convoying to Apulia. Yep. Greece taking Albania supported by Serbia. Yep. Um, well, that because Albania's going to disband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And the GNC supporting Ionian to hold. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So in which case, the army builder Smyrna is great move. What do you reckon we should be doing in the north? Well, there's no point building a fleet in Sebastopol, which leaves you with an yep. army either in Moscow or Sebastopol. Um, so Moscow's a bit of a no-brainer. It, it would, yeah. Um, we could hold, keep a unit up your sleeve, keep it up your sleeve. Try to what get a um, a fleet in St. Pete or something like that. Potentially. Bear in mind, you've got this convoyable option from Norway through York. Potentially. Oh yeah, sorry, I've forgotten about that. You know that. Um, well, that could be good because I could do might lose a supply centre this season but but uh, behind then the, um, the English lines and having fun yeah yeah look I think that would be a way to go so so we'll, we will build what army Moscow army Smyrna yeah all right I'm ready uh, ready and we click on global to kind of refresh the thing okay radio um, so you and I were the only ones who had builds. So there was a build in Moscow, build in Smyrna. So shall we go ahead and do that? So Smyrna to Apulia. Ah, oh, there's no bloody interactive menu. <laughs> no interactive map. It's just drop down shit. And Ionian oh, so you want times. Web dip. Ionian convoys and Eastern Thanks, Med convoys. Army to Apulia. From Smyrna, which leaves me with Greece and Serbia. So, oh, that's right, you're doing that one, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So, I should move Greece to Albania. Yeah, Greece to Albania, definitely. Supported by Serbia, or am I better supporting you into Trieste, or you supporting me into Trieste from Serbia, followed by Greece to Albania? I think time's kind of on the essence a little bit. So when you say time's on the essence, does it mean we should be doing Trieste or doing Albania? Well, I'm thinking Greece moves to Albania. I don't think Italy's going to be attacking Albania. Probably not. I think that he's likely to support Trieste, but France might try to attack Venice. Yep, which I will think, then cut that and then, yeah, yeah okay. I think that's probably better. Greece moves to Albania, Serbia moves to Trieste, 
Budapest and Vienna support that move, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll do that. Makes sense. Support move to Trieste from Serbia. The move to Albania will at least cut retreats to that spot. So we're covering that. And the other thing I need to make sure I do when I've finished all this stuff is to preview it. Yeah, we fucked up a couple of times last time, didn't we? And um, <coughs> as I'm now onto the second wine after two beers. Thank you. I don't know how we're going to do this. Um, I think that one is pork, that one's beef, and that one's chicken. Well, I don't really like chicken, so I'll go with pork. I'll go chicken and then we can do something fancy with the beef. How about I buy the best set of potatoes and split backwards the other way? You're so clever. That's why you should have been elected president. What happened there? Why didn't the Americans vote for you? Fancy that. I know. It was really surprising that Donald Trump won. Joe Biden won. This is recorded earlier. We don't actually know. Um, we will probably wax lyrical on either of those. Actually, know, so. yeah. well, we don't know who won. <laughs> you might still have a chance. <laughs> Maybe Electoral college, college won't work it out and they'll just go, oh, just tap him. Yeah, give it some random Australian. Um, so we've worked out what we're doing in the South. I was going to do the Norway to Yorkshire thing, wasn't I? Well, yeah, remember that's an option. Um, What's the option? And I think that'll be very powerful. Do Do you say, okay, I'm going to sacrifice Norway and move St. Petersburg to Livonia, holding Moscow back to bounce in St. Petersburg for that building. Whoa, 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 slow down. Say that again. Okay. Do you move St. Petersburg to Livonia? Yeah. Holding Moscow back, <coughs> sacrificing Norway to England for advan- the territorial advantage with the potential to build in St. Petersburg. So the idea is... But you want spring... To yeah, but you need to set yourself up for autumn. You can but why wouldn't I do that in autumn instead of you can spring? Bounce yourself in St. Petersburg in autumn and guarantee St. Petersburg is cool. Maybe. Ah. Oh, yeah. That could work. Chicken's pretty ordinary. Maggie Cole. That's pork. Not too bad. We won't get sick again then. Um, okay, so I'm then trying to move across north. Sorry, um, Norway to Yorkshire. York? Yeah. Um, Norway to Yorkshire. North Sea convoys. And I'm going to move Saint P to Livonia. Well. Yeah, or Finland, perhaps, on the oh, off chance yeah. that Finland moves to Norway. I mean, if it was me playing and I wanted to take Norway back, 
I would be supporting Finland into Norway, not Sweden into Norway. Yep. But, you know, much of a muchness, really. Well, Finland's got better position, and it's probably more likely to be the attacking unit. So Moscow just holds, is that what you're suggesting? Yeah. Moscow has a hold. Well, you don't want to follow it to St. Petersburg. No, because that fucks up the whole purpose. But if you take Finland, then yeah, you want to be in St. Petersburg. But I'd only take Finland if Finland moved into Norway. Yeah, so do you move some pit into Livonia instead? Right, no, it's your choice. No, I'm going to go um, Finland. Okay. Um, do you need to support Berlin to hold with Prussia? Or why don't I move to Kiel? Yeah, or do you move to Kiel? Or do I move Prussia up to... No, Warsaw up to Cilicia. Well, yeah, you've got to move Warsaw to Cilicia. And does Prussia support Berlin to hold, or does Berlin move to Kiel? In case the English are working with the French. Yeah. Or do I do Berlin to Kiel, supported by Denmark? And yeah, or not in Denmark. Germany's in Denmark. Oh, Germany's in Denmark? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then, the Prussia will hold Berlin. Moscow. Hull. Berlin is... Hull? Supports Warsaw to Cilicia. Oh, yeah. Sorry guys, it takes a while with these drop down menus. Okay, so I'm going to save and then preview. Make sure I don't fuck up too much. Yep, I think all my moves are legal and legit and won't screw up. Alright, go for it. I'm going to um, ready up. Yep. You have better um, Wi-Fi here. I'm just off my phone, so. Well, you know. All right. So the convoy to Apulia worked. Serbia didn't take Trieste. Greece moved oh, to what? Albania. Oh, what? Convoy to Yorkshire worked. Convoy to Yorkshire worked. Sweden moved to Norway. Finland did something. I'm just going to open the large map. Good idea. Um, Finland supported Sweden to Norway. Sweden to Norway. Oh, so Norway fell. Yep. Um, okay. Hmm, this comp- complex things complex things, doesn't it? Because um, well, you definitely take Liverpool with your army. Yeah. Yep. Um, you could support. Oh, yeah. okay. anyway, but um, Norwegian Sea moved to Edinburgh. Okay, take out Edinburgh. We'll take out London. Um, so successful moves. Oh, yeah. um, Naples and Tunis both moved to Tyrrhenian Sea. Western Med moved to Tyrrhenian Sea. Mid-Atlantic Ocean moved to Western Med. Obviously nothing happened. This is a movement here we need to be Ooh. aware of. Um, Munich moved to Bohemia with support of Tyrolia. Success. Ruhr moves to Munich. So we're in a bit of bother. Yeah. Denmark moved to Sweden. Did we say that? Yes, we did. 
Ah, those tricky little bots. You have the uh, the beef. No, you'd have that. I'll do the next one. Um, is this sauce hot or just mildly hot? No, what's your taste? Do you eat hot stuff? Yeah, look, I'm having wine, so probably it's not a very good thing to have wine. Yeah. Let's go lime instead of wine. Right here, do we have any retreats we need to do? Right here, so. Water on that, or is it lime? What should I do in Italy? Should I move Apulia to Venice and guarantee us Trieste? Or, or Apulia to Naples and guarantee Naples? Oh no, really close. Not guaranteed. No. Maybe Trieste. Maybe good. Because of the back door into France. Yeah. And we've got all those fucking fleets we need to get out. Yeah. What about Apulia supports Ionian into Naples, Eastern Mediterranean supports Aegean into Ionian, Albania, Budapest, and Vienna support Serbia into Trieste? got a problem with Galicia though. Might just have a crack at Rome. Try and get it. This is one of these conundrums, isn't it? Where you like, do you... 50-50 flip coin. Yeah, do you do a 50-50 flip and take Rome? 50-50 flip, take Naples? Or... Well, the thing is... Now that you're in Albania, between Albania, Serbia, and Budapest, you have to support the enemy. Either, and if you move Apulia to Rome, oh, either Apulia to Rome, and if Venice holds Trieste and Adriatic holds Trieste, you've got Rome. If Venice moves to Rome, Adriatic won't be able to hold Trieste, and Trieste will fall. So I think that's either of those two options is better than going for Naples because you can theoretically have Tunis tap. Oh no, but if you move better to take Trieste. So this is what I propose: Ionian Seas move to Adriatic, cut support. Apulia moves to Venice, cut support. Budapest supports Vienna against France. Vienna supports Serbia to Trieste. Albania supports Serbia to Trieste. Guarantee we take Trieste. Aegean supports... No, Eastern Med supports Aegean into Ionian. Guarantee... Yep. Yeah. That's my suggestion. So. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's a good idea. Should we go with that? Yep, what are we going to do about this um, fucking Galicia problem? Yeah, so... It's unlikely you're going to be attacked in Berlin, so what about Prussia to Cilicia, Cilicia to Galicia? I was thinking exactly the same thing. Or... Yeah, no, that's better. You've got to use Moscow to support some people. Or, but basically, doesn't Prussia, isn't there the risk that between Bohemia and Munich, they'll have a crack, France will have a crack at Berlin? So maybe it's just Cilicia to Galicia. Or so to... Sorry, 
Moscow to Warsaw or something like that. Yeah, but bear in mind you're potentially under threat in St. Petersburg this season. Yeah, so I don't think I think I don't think that idea of the um, Russian um, fleet in the north is going to come off because the real risk here is losing your position. Yeah, is, yeah, is Finland and Norway Finland. taking out St. Pete. Yeah. Bear in mind, if you take Liverpool, he own, England only gains in Norway, but he's going to lose Sweden. So he loses a unit. Well, I can always just move North Sea into Denmark too for a bit of fun. Give it a shot, see what happens. Or I can move North Sea to English Channel. Get some position. So Get some position, do? yeah. 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 All right, so what are we doing? Albania supports um, Serbia... No to Trieste. To Trieste from Serbia. Serbia moves to Trieste. Eastern Med supports... Oh, wait a sec. I just realised. It's not just Berlin that's under potential attack. Vienna is as well. Yeah, you've got to have Budapest supporting Vienna. Oh, okay. Yeah. But Vienna needs to support Serbia and Detroit. moves to Adriatic. Putin moves to Venice. It's Albania, isn't it? The attacking unit? Serbia is taking, moving to Trieste. Okay, Serbia's taking that. I'll go check that one. A GNC is supporting... Um, no, a GNC is moving to the Ionian Sea. Okay, thank you. I'll check that one too. Yorkshire is going to go to Liverpool. Prussia is holding Berlin. Yep. What's Berlin doing? Exactly. Do you... Well, can't do shit, can't I? Is it better for Berlin to support Prussia to Silesia, Silesia to Silesia? Yeah, but what happens if France goes for... Oh. Oh, wait a sec. Prussia doesn't have to support... Berlin to hold, no. It's unlikely that France is going to support... England or England's going to support France into Berlin. I don't see that happening. So you think yeah. I just do something just stupid like Berlin to Munich or Berlin to... No, that's not stupid. I'm saying move Prussia to Silesia, supported by Berlin. That way, if he tries the oh, northern yes. attack, you've got that And covered. Silesia is going to go to Galicia. Silesia to Galicia, yeah. And what's, what's Berlin's going to go to Cilicia, is that right? No, Berlin supporting Prussia to Cilicia. Okay. I'm sorry about this, listeners. At this point in time, the um, the drinks are having their desired effect. Save it and check it. I can't. I'm, I'm trying to work things out. Russia's moving Cilicia. Where's my fucking Berlin? Berlin. Support move. This is probably you've got too many units to move when you're drunk. To Cilicia. Not Berlin. Prussia. Prussia. 
Well, lots of people coming in here now. Sure. Moscow is supporting Holt St. Petersburg. Yeah, I think you have to in case he tries for that. Yeah. And St. P is just going to do jack shit. Holt. Can't Sport do it. Finland, whatever. Yeah. Well, I can't. What's the point of Finland? That's yeah, the don't, ask. don't do anything. Let me just preview my moves. You preview yours or you're confident in your... I'm confident in my um, cognitive... Cognitive ability. I am not confident in my cognitive ability. Look good? Yep, looks good. You've definitely got York to Liverpool. Yep, I'm ready. I'll ready up. Click here to refresh. So I was correct around the Cilicia Gambit. So France supported Bohemia to Cilicia, bounced because you supported Prussia to Cilicia from Berlin. You've covered Galicia. Um, our supports worked. Oh, Trieste. you've got Trieste, lovely. Balls. Um, obviously, I can't support you to dislodge me. It would have been two against, yeah, so I can't. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. Um, Naples moved to Rome, which is... Well, he obviously expected you to go for me right to, to Rome, Rome so yeah. I'm happy with that. Um, Tunis bounced to Renia C with Western I love Mill. how... how <laughs> France and Italy are still kind of slapping each other yeah, like a yeah. fish fight. Oh, look, North Sea successfully went to English Channel. North Sea Edinburgh to, to North Sea. I didn't surprise that. That surprised me. Edinburgh took to the North Sea with support ah, from Norway. Germany moved back from Sweden to Denmark. <laughs> Why did he do that? Because he probably thought that my fleet in the North Sea was going to go for Denmark. Mind you, right. at the end of the day, even if he picked up Sweden, and got an additional build. He can't build. All his home supply centres are gone. Yeah, but he would disadvantage. He would have caused England to have a disband. Well, yeah, that's the only strategic benefit there. So the only player to have a build is me. So what should I build? Oh, congratulations, Kana. Well done. What do you reckon? Army or fleet and smear? Anyway, Sorry about the quietness, listeners. We're just trying to process the options here. Let's just verbalise them instead of just keeping them internally at it. So. I've got Ankara and Smyrna. Constantinople is owned by Russia. You? Oh, yeah, yeah, but I'm, just, I'm looking um, at um, what can we... What's the next set of moves to help us work out what do we need to build? It's, I mean, honestly, I think it's, I mean, Smyrna is a given because even if you're going to traverse Con for some reason, the question is whether it's an army or a fleet. Yeah, I'm... I'm leaning towards an army at this stage to have a convoy... Potential. Potential. But just, just looking at it, I need Adriatic Sea. Yeah, you do. Yeah, so I need to get a but fleet. We, but we've got so plenty of fleets down here. But we need to be able to get a fleet into Albania to to be able, or, or um, Apulia to be able to 
Pop over at it. I'm thinking Smyrna Fleet. That's what I'm thinking. Okay, go Smyrna Fleet. Hey, you're out of beer too. I am. I'll save that. I'll ready that up. And I'll go get some beer and some more tacos. Yeah, try and work out whether I want another go back to beer again. It's probably not a good thing to go beer, wine, beer, is it? Yeah, you better say with wine. But think with wine. I think it's still got a whole heap going. I haven't got a whole heap. These glasses are very deceptive with their shape. I've never seen a glass so low. It's just kind of like a, it's like a glass that's just been melted into the ground. If I had a glass like that at home, I would use that for tea lights. Yeah, that probably works. Just you yeah. pop the tea light in, you spend about five minutes trying to get the tea light to pop up the right way. Yeah. With a fork or something, and then you put in your light lighter thing, and yeah. actually not a lighter, one of those. But once it's a light, you'd have that perfect, you know. All right, so another wine, another beer. Do you know what I'm having? No. I can't remember either. Shiraz, was it? Yeah, mother's milk, maybe? Uh, I'll try that. Oh, so, if I'm only getting one taco next time, aren't I? Yeah, I'll get that. Can I get pork, please? Pork? Yeah. Beef. Pork. Yeah. Why not with chicken? Why not with chicken? Nah, I've got your box. Well, you've got, actually, there's, there's five options for you. Yeah, let me pause this. That's a good idea. Or, yeah. Shit. Why is it saying Barry Lowe? It's it. It's, 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 it's Barry Lowe, but there's like three things in there. Let's see, let's see if I've got extra batteries. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. All right. I don't know how much of all that shit was recorded or not. No, it was. So, it was all recorded. I just, you know, so for those of us, if we leave it in because we're too lazy to edit, all of a sudden it started going battery low, battery low, for no real reason, but we changed the batteries. So hopefully it's all hunky Anyway, so what yeah, I'm thinking... Uh, before we do that, I've got a yeah. question for you. Now, look, yeah. I'm a bit of an old fart. You're a slightly less less of an old fart, yeah. And look, I've got zero experience in this game because I've been married for quite a while. You've probably been married for a reasonable while. A reasonable while, yeah. But have a look at the couple over your left-hand shoulder. If that is not a Tinder date, I don't know what is. No, no, not that one, the other one, over over your shoulder. There seems to be a slight awkwardness, like that they've never seen each other in their life. She's kind of flicking her hand behind her head. I don't. Bit of a spray tan. This whole Tinder thing came up after I found my other half. Yep. Um, And. Dating prior to that was a very different experience. It's just you know, like it's just who you met, or it's met where people, you just met. people you know, and then you, just, you know you hook up and yeah, then one get thing to meet their, well, if that didn't work, but you met their friends, met their friends, yeah, you know whatever it happened to be, you just sort of met people, you knew people, and you meet other people and are connected, and then you end up finding a someone for a period of time, and through that someone you meet other people, and if it didn't work, then you meet whatever, but you end up with someone who's you know been right. But this whole yeah, this whole internet-supported dating, it's, it's, it's new. I, um, <coughs> probably just how people meet these days, maybe. I don't know. Probably. I was having a look at our um, our Google Analytics today. Yeah. A bit of a quiet time at 
bit of downtime. Just a bit of downtime. And like our largest demographic on the show is like the twenty-five to thirty-five group. Oh yeah. Okay. Right. Which I assume is kind of like the Tinder group, isn't it? Or is that? Is it? So, I, I don't know. Are, these, are, are our listeners doing Tinder? I, I just don't know. Like, if I was interested in... Okay, so here's me. I was 25. I was single. You know, what, what would be my thought processes of going about finding another, you know, romantic attachment? Right? Now, I'm not necessarily interested in marriage or anything like that, but just to meet somebody. Somewhere in between marriage and just a good time. I just want something steady, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do that. So I'll probably think, okay, well, what are my, what are my interests? What am I interested in? Maybe diplomacy would be a good starting point. All those 50 million other fucking games you've got cluttering your house. Board games as a start. Right? So yeah. then I think, okay, well, where do people meet to do the thing that I'm interested in? And I would start looking at places that would, I don't know, like there's board game clubs nowadays that you could go to. and You know, look, honestly, like we're, when we're at Bolt Games. Yep. Okay, yes, the majority of the people there are males, but there's a fair smattering of females there too. Yeah, right, it's not an all-male gig. You know, so you'd be looking at that, you'd be looking at, um, you know, where, what do you like to do apart from that one thing? Because you don't want to put everything in one basket. You'd be looking at, you know, do you like bushwalking? Do you like other sort of hobbies or models? Uh, um, what, what is it that you're interested in? What's, what's your professional interest? What are you? Are you studying something? Are there people in the same course that you're studying? Is there shared interest? Just getting to know people, talking to people. I mean, isn't that how it was? That's how it was done when I was at that age. Yeah. There was no install a nap and just swipe left or right. The funny um, thing is, I, I have no idea. Do you swipe left or do you swipe right? What's it mean? I don't know. No, I don't you know, know but I know there's left and right. It yeah, I know, I know one's good, one's bad, but I don't know how it works. Yeah, so I and I know at the moment probably everyone's going. Our oh largest my God. demographic is saying uh, fucking old sparks. But you know, we're not actually that far out of that whole. Sorry, what? Not that far away from it. Like this thing is. Yeah, you keep telling yourself that. Yeah. You keep believing well, that, okay? <laughs> anyway, get back to, to the game, though. hey? Yeah. So, what I'm thinking is I do a shuffle. I only enter Albanian, Albania to Serbia or Greece, one or the other, doesn't really matter. Yep. Um, Smear to Eastern Med, Eastern Med to Ionian, supported by GM. What do you think? I mean, it's a risk. But I it's think it's less it, of a risk is, if I move Apulia to Venice, potentially breaking any support into Trieste. Yeah, look, this, this, let's get back to the whole issue around... The, this seems to be a real fucking slog, you know what I mean? Like, it's just one... Honestly... Small yeah, steps, yeah. I mean, it's a case of getting a fleet into Albania so you can get a fleet into Adriatic so that you can get... So I can push... Venice, Venice out and make sure I have Naples. It's just like Well, let's do a couple more rounds anyway. So let's do that. Um, okay. Because if it, if it does just turn into like a massive slog, we'll go. Yep. Over time, we will have won. But you know, let's just play it out for a little bit further. Um, 
Albania is going to move to Serbia. Um, so I'm supporting Eugene is going to support Eastern Med to Iron in again or not? Yeah, yes. I do. Yeah. Albania, Eastern Med is going to move to Ionian. Uh, Trieste is. Oh, I see. Am I supporting you into Ionian or I'm moving to Ionian? No, I'm moving to Ionian because I've got to get Smear in here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Vienna to support whole Trieste, Budapest support whole Vienna. Oh, I think that's going to be a good idea. Got Albania moving to Serbia because it just gives extra opportunities. If I move to Greece, then it becomes like a non unit. Although, if I move to Greece, I can convoy it later. Oh, Albania? Yeah, no, but Serbia's probably better because then I can support Trieste given Vienna may or may not be cut. Yeah, so Serbia. That's why I'm moving to Serbia. That's why you're moving to Serbia? Yeah. So, um,. <laughs> what Prussia to Cilicia supported by Galicia or actually Prussia has to hold Berlin so Galicia to Cilicia supported by Berlin uh, I don't think Prussia has to hold Berlin I don't think Munich's going to support Guild to Berlin oh, or vice no. versa I think that's a safe move <laughs> Prussia to Cilicia yep supported by Berlin and Galicia Berlin support move to Cilicia from Prussia. Prussia move to Cilicia. Are you happy with a bounce? Because Galicia could support Vienna, giving Budapest opportunity to support Trieste to hold in this move. Sorry, say again. Are you, if you are comfortable with a bounce in Cilicia? Galicia could support Vienna to hold, and Budapest supports Trieste to hold. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm fine with that. I think at the moment our main game is we need to kind of crowbar south and crowbar the north, and the centre is just this big clusterfuck. Where okay, if yeah. we continue to clusterfuck, it's fine. So yeah, now after I've done all that fucking drop downs, I now need to change them all. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. Keep it as it is. No, 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 no. I'm cool with no, no, I'm cool with it. I've got no problems with that. It just takes All right, go time. to Galicia. Galicia supports Vienna to hold. Galicia support holds Vienna. Vienna. Yep. Budapest supports hold Trieste. Trieste instead of Vienna. Yep. yep. That's it. Prussia's still moving to Cilicia. What's Berlin doing? Berlin supporting Prussia to Cilicia. Prussia moved to Cilicia. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, Moscow is still going to have to support hold AP at the moment. Yep. 
Um, You've got some mayhem you could do with the English Channel. Right, so we've got English Channel and Liverpool can get up to... Well, Liverpool... So what's more fun? Liverpool have a crack at Edinburgh. Liverpool moved down to Wales to later on have some fun at London. English Channel will go for Brest for fun. Liverpool moves back to York just to fuck with the pots. Oh, no. An English Channel into London. Yeah, English Channel to Brest. Given that France is our main opponent at the stage. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Liverpool to Wales. Wales, okay. No, not Wales. Liverpool. No, Yorkshire. Yorkshire? Yeah, Liverpool to Yorkshire. <laughs> Liverpool to Edinburgh. Liverpool to Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah. If he bounces you, he stays in the North Sea. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. English Channel to Brest. Is this spring or is this fall? Uh, it's spring, isn't it? Spring. Yep. So say preview. So Galicia support old Vienna Vienna support old. Oh fuck! Wait a sec. Vienna support hole Trius. We've got Budapest support hole Trius. Is that right? Vienna supports Trius. Budapest supports Trius. Yeah. Why? You worried about France well, guessing Italy's move, or Vienna getting cut? Maybe. Vienna could get cut. That's why you've got Galicia supporting Vienna to hold, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, actually, there's a fleet in London. I didn't even realise that. Cool. Right, let's give it a go. Ready up. Done. All right. Ready. So we're now entering fall... 907? 907? Jesus. Yeah, it is. Okay. Um, so you took Edinburgh. <laughs> bounced in Vienna in Brest. We rotated Albania, so that worked. Um, why did that work? I have a retreat I need to make. So, hot sauce isn't coming out. Do you reckon hot sauce? Got to give it a show. Um, what happened? Adriatic supported Venice into Apulia, forcing Apulia to retreat. I've got nowhere to retreat to, but Adriatic supported Venice to Apulia. Oh, shit. That tricky little Italian box. Okay. So you go. Oh, can you retreat to Rome? I can. <laughs> um, now that I've got Serbia, I can support Trieste myself. Well, not that it needs to, which means you can go into the back foot and attack Bohemia this season. All right. That's a bit warm. I'm retreating to Rome. It's a no-brainer. Ready that? Here. I just need to get some um, water. Do what for you? Well, you know, just the wine won't go with it, and I need to cleanse the palate. Ah. Uh, so okay. either you talk to the listeners or pause it. Well, I'll read out what units. Do you want some water, by the way, or not? No, no, I'm good. Um, lightweight. 
Anyway. Okay, so what happened? Moscow supported subpoenas, big the hold, that worked. Finland supported Norway into Sweden. Um, Kiel moved to Denmark with support from the North Sea. Holland moved to Kiel. Uh, Liverpool moved to Edinburgh, success. English Channel moved to Brest, bounced by MAO. Western Med moved to Tyrrhenian Sea. The bar's too popular, they just can't get in there to get a drink of water. Right. Just got to man up. <laughs> uh, Tunis moved to Ionian Sea, not successful. Um, Smyrna, Eastern Med, success. Eastern Med to Ionian, success. Aegean supported Eastern Med to Ionian, Ionian to Albania, Albania to Serbia. I think that covers it. Right to go. I think you could sneak into Norway, Abby, if you wanted to. We're going to hold that till next. Make him disband first. Who? Oh, Germany's gone. No retreat. So, um. You an army. Yeah, he had an army in Denmark, so. Trouble. Pork is my pick. I prefer the pork. Well, I don't know, I've tried the beef now. I like you said, I prefer the pork, even though it's the other one you have so. So, what's it going? You've got Edinburgh, for sure. You don't mm-hmm. lose Liverpool. Um, Do I do something tricky like English Channel MAO when he covers off breast? I think he should. I think it's safe to move St. Petersburg to Livonia and leave it open for a build. Do I have a build still up my sleeve? In the spring. Oh yeah, because I picked up um, Yorkshire, I mean Edinburgh. Yeah. Right. So we need to make moves, don't we? Yeah. Pork's my favourite as well. My mouth's on fucking fire because of that um, habanero roja. Red habanero. It's Melbourne hot sauce. It's probably got a little bit of COVID in there. Actually, I don't think they don't have much COVID anymore, do they? They've got a little bit... Well, they've still got some. Reducing restrictions. They're doing a lot better. Right. So... Um, so we're going to fall. Excuse me. So I've read out the orders. So I'm going to. You can play hiccups. I think Ionian should take the Adriatic. What do you think? Yes. Yep. Because then once we've got Adriatic, then we can... Force Ionian back again if we lose it and all that. Yep. yep. So Adriatic, Albania supports that. So you want um, Aegean to support Eastern Med into Ionian again? Or you yes. want me to move to East Ionian? Um, no, keep it in the Aegean. 
that gives me convoy opportunities. Okay. Um, I Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, you want me to convoy Smyrna later on, so somewhere else. Is that right? Yeah, that's why I'm you in the gym. Yep. Okay, so I'm supporting Eastern Mid to Ion. Yep. Gotcha. What's happening around the whole tree hysteria? That's pretty yeah. much. Yeah, so. Well, Venice is vacant now. Yeah. Do we do something like Trieste up to Tyrolia and have Serbia backfill Trieste or something with um, a bit of their support and uh, Vienna supports Trieste into Tyrolia? So better off getting you into Slovenia. So, Trieste could move to Tyrolia, yeah. cut support. Yep. Galicia moves to Bohemia, or Vienna moves to Bohemia, supported by Galicia. And Budapest moves to Vienna. Budapest moves to Vienna. Nice. Is that better? Yeah, I think it's better. But Vienna is moving to Bohemia, is that right? Galicia is supporting them. Which leads me with Rome. Try for Venice. I'm going to keep doing the Prussia, Berlin, Cilicia, Rome's Where's Rome going? Venice. Doesn't matter. It's, yeah. So we've got Tyro, Trieste moving to Tyrolia. Serbia's backfilling Trieste. It's cold. No, I've got to get the loop. Yeah, I'll pause this. Oh, no, you do I'll ready this up. Okay, you ready? You're ready. You're ready. So I'm just. Uh, so Kane is going off for a bit of a slash. Go water the horses. Insert um, appropriate um, description here. The reason I'm just stalling is I'm actually trying to ready my orders and wait for it to load. And it seems to be taking an inordinate period of time. So much so it's still fucking loading. What's wrong with this thing? Let's just keep going. So, reprieve. Go reload. Okay, so here's my preview. I'm just double checking. So, Prussia should move to Cilicia. Vienna should move to Bohemia. All the supports are in. Supports down in the south. Supports in the north of Moscow to St. Petersburg. Actually, well, that doesn't need to be supported at all. I can do some cheeky St. Peter Norway thing. I reckon I'll do that. I'm going to change that order because there's no way in the world St. Pete can fall. So why screw around with Moscow supporting St. Pete? That's pointless. Edinburgh holds and a cheeky English channel to the Mid-Atlantic Ocean because that's where all Russian fleets should be. Um, actually, no, it should go to the North Atlantic Ocean according to the uh, Hunt for Red October. Great movie, by the way, if any of you uh, kids haven't watched it yet. 
Sean Connery is a, uh, a Soviet captain of a submarine. Very, very good. So what happened? Well, Sean Connery is going to defect to the Americans. Sean Connery. Yes, but the Soviet Union doesn't know that. Have you made your move yet? No, I'm just giving giving listeners a bit of a, a bit of a debrief about classic movies. Jesus. Okay. Well, I'm nothing so interesting. I'm ready to go. Well, I haven't moved yet. Oh my God! You're too busy talking about Sean Connery. <laughs> All right, Moscow's now going to move to St. Petersburg, and St. Petersburg is going to do some tricky shit for, for uh, Norway because nothing fucking better to do. Try for Norway. Yeah, I was, basically, I was just saying to the listeners that um, I was, after my preview orders were kind of organised, I've worked out there's no point for Moscow to hold St. Petersburg because it couldn't fall. Yeah. But you want to keep St. Petersburg open, don't you? Well, yeah, but there's no real way to effectively achieve that right now. To guarantee that. To guarantee it. So we're going to be cheeky instead. So I've just put in the thing. I've got to ready up. And now it's going to say, refresh here, please. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh, wow. That was a... Uh, that, was, that was pretty good. That was... Whilst we've been slogging for a long time and we, we picked up zero in that turn supply centres. No, no, you picked up one. The position is awesome. I picked up one supply centre. No, no, but that were the ones we captured in the spring. Oh, no, you got Vienna. Yeah. Venice, Venice I mean. Yeah. Germany's still alive somehow. Oh, because... Because <laughs> oh, England moved out of Denmark into the Baltic. Oh, and Sweden moved to the Gulf of Athenia. Yeah, so he's throwing a, a northern offensive. As, as something. I tell you what, as uh, far as bo- you know, like ballsy play, yeah. that is fucking. That's like that's a Peter McNamara move, don't you reckon? All right, abandon my home centres. I'm going all in. Yeah, I'm gonna fucking attack your home centres, you prick, you bastard. Yeah. So, um, all right. So England's got to do it disband. So let's walk through what succeeded. Um, uh, Finland supported North Sea to Norway, success. Sweden moved to Gulf of Bothnia, success. Denmark moved to Baltic Sea. Kiel moved to Berlin, bounce. Belgium held, London held. Um, France. Jesus. Sorry, I'm. France seemed to be France moved Munich to. Burgundy. He must have assumed that I was going to dislodge either Cilicia or Bohemia and wanted a retreat. Bohemia was dislodged and retreated to Munich. Oh yeah, Bohemia. He must have assumed Bohemia. That's a, yeah, he hasn't retreated, has he yet? Or, or, or the no, retreat to retreated from Bohemia to Munich. Okay, sorry, I hadn't got to that stage. Um, so yes, he must have assumed that he, and planned ahead. Oh, the scoundrel. Look, Tyrrhenian Sea supported Tunis to Ionian Sea success. Ooh. Naples supported that. Apulia supported Naples. Okay, which bounced around the Ionian, meaning Greece is open. Yeah, but you got Serbia there, um, so you can kind of backfill that. It's no yep. problem at all. Uh, successfully moved to Adriatic from Ionian 
Um, Rome moved to Venice, success. Budapest moved to Vienna, success. Galicia supported Vienna to Bohemia, success. Prussia to Silesia, success. Um, Moscow to St. Petersburg, bounce. St. Petersburg to Norway, didn't work. Edinburgh, hold, success. English Channel to Mid-Atlantic, success. So I've got a bill, you've got a bill. Do you hold that bill? Is the question. So my concern. Your army heavy at the moment. Nah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. My concern. Actually, England doesn't have a bill, does it? No, it's actually disbanding. Disband, yeah. I was worried about um, some type of cheeky play into um, like a convoy into Livonia or something. He could support, he could force St. Petersburg. Not right now. Oh, if he moved Baltic to Livonia. No, he could support, he could, he could force it. Finland, St. Petersburg, supported by Bothnia and Norway. Oh, and, yeah. Right? So... Yeah, that's that old conundrum. You don't have that fleet. You need that extra fleet. Well, we've been trying to do that, but then the bastard fucking stopped me. Yeah. So what's going to be? You going to hold your build, or are you going to build something? Well, the only options I've got for build is Warsaw or Sev. Sev, Sev is pointless. Warsaw, I only really build in if I felt that there was some likelihood there was going to do something tricky in Livonia or Prussia. Berlin's under threat. So the question is, if I built Army Warsaw and moved to live, that would at least... Berlin's under threat. Don't forget that. Oh, I yes. Um, actually, Berlin's under threat. <laughs> How many times? Three times? <laughs> Yes, how many, uh, after, after like back-to-back -back recordings, how many drinks have I had now? Yeah, we still haven't fucking got to the Patreon. Jeez, I'm going to Might need to text Mrs. Amby saying, you know, leave the light on. Um, I, I think this might be one of these games where we don't quite get to the end again. <laughs> Alright, well, just, just do a build and then just agree to pause and we'll come back to it. As, a, as an ongoing game. Are you cool with that? I'm cool with it. I okay, have cool. to resolve it now. I mean, it looks like we're going to win like, it. But... Fuck, you finished your beer already. Well, yeah. It was a hot taco. Yeah, I kind of just stopped drinking because of the wine and taco wouldn't work. So, at the moment, I'm going to likely just put in a temporary builder army in Warsaw. Okay. Save. And then we're going to pause again, is that right? Well, yeah, but for me, is that a fleet in Smyrna or an army in Smyrna? Uh, well, an army's not going to do shit because you need to regain the Ionian. Yeah, and cover Greece as well. Yeah, but you can move um, Serbia to Greece. But Ionian's going to be... We can take Ionian. But actually, you need a fleet in Greece. Yeah, so I need another fleet. So, you can allow Aegean into Greece, and then in fall, we transition Greece into Ionian. Yeah, okay. So, I'll save Fleet and Smyrna. As a temporary. Given that I'm really just 
getting close to being too pissed to this See, this is why we normally we don't. Um, actually, no, we do play face to face diplomacy. Definitely pissed. done that. This. So pause it. Okay. Have I paused? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Pause. If you have. Cast your vote. Yes. <laughs> and we'll revisit this at a later date, gents and ladies. Excellent. So. Um, wrap it up for the episode I mean we've, we've had two oh, great I think interviews. we will wrap that one up and we will then do our Patreon stuff quick Patreon and um, then we'll jump you know, on some public transport how shit your writing is alright um, I'm Kana <laughs> I'm Ambie we're both pretty plastered well, and uh, we love diplomacy and we know you love it too so uh, till next time happy Adios. stabbing yep Cheers, guys. Bye-bye.